back then and back home. After dropping Sam off where she needed to go, I headed straight back to Janalia. They haven't updated their security at all. Just a quick swipe of that fake interplanetary passport we got a couple of years ago, and with a quick beep, I was back on a failing planet that, despite everything, was still home. I guess thinking that you've captured all relevant parts of your only resistance, you tone down the oppression. Sin, when you've lived somewhere before, and you've left for a while, and you had absolutely no intention of ever returning to the place you once called home, it somehow feels infinitely bigger and infinitely smaller at the same time. The streets where I walked for hours with headphones in my ears hoping to find something bigger than myself to believe in. The libraries I spent days in reading Kurt Vonnegut. The abandoned university classrooms we took root into plan. They're all the same. I'm the one who has changed. I'm the one who has grown. And yet, I'm still not 100% sure. I, th I, th I think I've changed. I think I've grown. But maybe it's the opposite. Those streets, those libraries, those empty classrooms, they've held thousands of people, thousands of stories since I've left. Maybe those buildings, those works of brick and mortar, maybe they're the ones who have grown and changed and not me. Perhaps I am the static one after all. The old coffee shop is still there. It's still a weird sight to see. When I first started working there, Java Foam was the traditional stable cafe that overcharged for coffee and generic, but the owner was nice enough to the students. I was completely in love with it as a kid, even when I finally got accepted into uni. It's easy to see why, if I'm being completely honest. Half of the walls were bookshelves, and the owner let everyone, even if they didn't pay, stay as long as they needed. The place had free Wi-Fi, and there was a small crate in front of the door where people left books they wanted to donate to the shop. The windows were large enough to flood the place with light no matter what time of day it was. Or maybe I'm just romanticizing. Being gone for a couple of months, it, it may not be much, but it's enough. Everything about university, genalia, you. All of it is being viewed with rose-colored glasses. The thing is, I'm not necessarily sure if knowing I have the glasses on is any better than not knowing. Am I... <sighs> Am I really any better for just having the knowledge that I'm in denial? I don't think I am, Sin. I think Java's was rated about two, three times maybe, and that was only after I started working there. It could have, probably was, more time by the time I quit. I, I think the government refused to shut it down mainly because half the government was uni alumni with a hint of nostalgia and maybe a small part of them still hoped that they could at least catch. I don't think that I am.
I think Jawas was rated about two, three times maybe, and that was only after I started working there. It could have been rated, it probably was, more by the time I quit. I think the government refused to shut it down mainly because half of the government was uni alumni with a hint of nostalgia, and maybe a small part of them still hoped that they could catch at least one of us here. I liked Mr. Tanaka. He was an older, grumpy man with a heart of gold. Earthen. One of the only other Earthens that I knew on Genalia. He had immigrated when he was a kid, when the first colonizers made their way into Genalia. Tons of us left after the new government came into power. Mr. Tanaka was one of the only ones that stayed. I still don't know why. I rolled into the employee parking lot on the other side of the quad and rapped on the side door like I used to whenever we had to use the shop to meet and plan. It felt wrong. I usually gave Trevon or JR or Iris a ride from their uni dorms, and not having someone chatter my ear off or insist that I put my hood up was strange. Maybe not even strange. Maybe inevitable. Mr. Tanaka opened the door, and the man dropped his damn coffee cup. Believe me, I've worked with the man for about a year and a half. I had grown up seeing him serve coffee and make gentle conversation for years. I had never seen that man drop anything. He ushered me in and started complaining that I looked too tired, thrusting a cup of tea and a warm croissant into my hands. He quickly ushered the last student out. It's 4am, he cried, waving his hands and sat across from me at the table in the back. And then he filled me in on the nightmare that had been happening on Genalia. The store has been under surveillance for a while, you know that. It's only gotten worse since you've lost, he said, putting a kettle of water on the stove. I'm lucky. They're taking more and more people away, Jem, he continued, watching as the water in the kettle rose to a boil. The government hasn't done much besides parade your girlfriend around. What happened to the others? I asked quietly. I already knew the answer. Mr. Tanaka paused. Jen. They're gone. The water in the kettle whistled as the water finally boiled. You can stay here, you know, he said, walking over to the other side of the kitchen to get another mug. I know you won't stay for long, he added, putting a blue nebula tea bag into the water. I think we both know why you're here, Gemma, he finished, watching the blue from the tea bag swirl its way out to make water into tea. He took the cup in both hands and placed it in front of me. But please, he said, looking directly into my eyes, stay as long as you need, and don't make their mistakes. With that, Mr. Tanaka got up and started to make his way to his apartment upstairs. Good night, Gemma, he said. Good night, Mr. Tanaka, I whispered. I slept in my car. 
Mr. Tanaka threw a fit when he woke up, but I felt bad about crashing at an already compromised area. It was bad enough that I was putting him in more danger. He didn't need to worry about me messing up his apartment, too. It's funny. I thought that when I left, when you failed, the entire world would be in shambles. I pictured the traditional buildings on fire, people in the streets screaming, and the clamoring of protesters for their leader to be released. None of that was happening. Instead, middle-aged moms walked around the nearby plazas while their kids played in the park. University students were hopelessly studying for their midterms on the classes they had skipped all semester, and high schoolers were just learning that there was more to life than who they had a crush on. They're all so oblivious, and I don't know if I envy them for that, because here I am, a wanted fugitive, planning out a rescue mission for my highly guarded girlfriend, and at the table next to me is a hipster who looks like they're typing out their next screenwriting project. Everyone isn't paying attention, and that includes me. I had to get out of there. They arrested Mr. Tanaka, and it's all my fault. I don't remember the last time I recorded. I think it was at Java's, but I'm not sure. I, I had to get out of there. I know, uh, I know I was talking about a picturesque day of suburban heaven with moms drinking coffee as their kids played, but in a goddamn flash it was gone. It was gone. Sin literally seconds after I had finished planning out everything, everything to save you. There... there was a crash. After that crash, about ten soldiers, all clad in black riot gear, burst the door and wrestled Mr. Tanaka to the ground. After putting handcuffs and hearing a taser, I didn't wait to see what they had next. Three agents walked through the door, clothed in immaculately pressed black suits, started reading out his charges. Drew Tanaka, you are under arrest for aiding, abetting, and harboring known fugitive Gemma Yo and her former associates. I didn't bother to hear the dummy charges they had trumped up. I picked up what I needed and I bolted out of the shop. I opened the door, started the engine, and I pressed the gas so hard I didn't stop until I was off the planet. And the worst part? Those moms, that hipster, those high schoolers... They didn't do a damn thing. They didn't even look shocked when the first crash of the battering ram hit the door. This is their normal. I gotta lay low, Sin. It's gonna be a while. I know I said I would save you, Sin, and I really, really mean it. I just don't know that I can. It Was Never Just About the Revolution is a production of the Multiversal Podcasting Network. It's written, produced, and created by Jacqueline Cho, performed by Sunny Chang, composed by Rachel Leota, and edited by Lottie Dance. Our amazing logo was designed by Runica Cannon. Be sure to check out more of their work on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Avocado Artist. Have any comments, questions, or just want to say hi? 
Email us at iwnjatrpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at iwnjatrpodcast. Special thanks to all at the Multiversal Podcasting Network. If you're interested in seeing any more shows from the network, check us out on Twitter at Multiversal Pods and Tumblr at Multiversal Podcasting Network.